Uh, okay, on today's show, welcome to uh, Once Bitten. Today, I'm joined by Blake and Aaron Bradley. And um, I wanted to get them on the podcast because uh, we have on one side in Blake, a, uh, a maximalist, I think I've seen on your Twitter handle. Uh, Absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> and on the other side, Erin, we have a homeschooling mom. Uh, well, they're both homeschooling parents. Um, so we've got uh, the double rabbit hole, uh, homeschooling and Bitcoin to, uh, to get into. So um, mm. I think it's very, uh, very uh, perfect. Well, it's a perfect time to talk about this. So uh, welcome to the show, guys. Thank you so much for agreeing to come on. Thanks for having us. So who wants to go first, Bitcoin or homeschooling? What, what's, what's the word? Uh, sure, I'll go first. Um, okay, uh, where do we start this? Um, I guess just to even give, give some background about you know where we come from. Like we were, we met in university. Uh, my degree is in biology. Aaron is a teacher. Um, and uh, after we graduated from university, uh, we had a little bit of school debt, so we decided to go overseas to Korea to teach English. And so we were there from 2007 into, until 2009. Um, and uh, yeah, during that time, we sought to have a long time or a, a, a short, um, a time preference that we're, we're, we're looking to the future. And so we quickly paid off our debts. And um, because we were uh, in Korea, we didn't want to pay um, uh, taxes necessarily in Canada, right? We didn't have to. Uh, it's not like America. You don't have to always pay taxes. So we declared non-residency. And so um, that was that's when I started start thinking about money and where we can put money and so on and so forth. But at that same time, I had a good friend that I had met there that started to introduce me to um, some different different political persuasions and uh, things I just had really thought about before. Um, so, for, for example, like Ron Paul, um, where, you know, edit the, uh, audit the Fed and um, really started questioning um, money and started thinking about money. And I very much approached Bitcoin from a, from a um, monetary perspective um, and sound mon monetary perspective. So I started going down the bunny trail of becoming like, I really got into... Uh, gold and silver. And because I saw that as a store of value, right? Uh, a proof of work, they have to work to get it. And during that same time, obviously, Lehman Brothers was happening in the States, um, 2008. And we were a bit isolated from it, because, you know, we had good jobs, uh, we were getting paid. Um, and it didn't really affect us too much. But um, yeah, so that's what kind of started me down my, 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 uh, journey oh we got a baby coming <laughs> yeah for the listeners uh, obviously this is uh, everybody's in quarantine so kids are around mine might come uh, screaming through the door any second so <laughs> bear with us. oh yeah <laughs> so we have, we have little isaac here he's two so he's not very reasonable at this point <laughs> yeah <laughs> um yeah so that's uh, i don't know if you want to hear any more about that backstory but like um Pretty early on, I heard about Bitcoin, like because I was researching money and researching, um, you know, listening to Max Kaiser, listening to Mike Maloney, you know, um, even Trace Mayer. Like I remember hearing all these guys back in 2011 and wasn't because I'm not necessarily, you know, I'm not a computer scientist. I'm not um, a programmer. Uh, I guess I didn't. I 
didn't understand necessarily the technical prowess of it. Um, and so I kind of said, yeah, yeah, that's cool. Um, and then, yeah, 2017 is when I decided to enter into the market, uh, Bitcoin market, um, having done a little more research and, uh, yeah. So I think what would be interesting for the listeners to learn about is, um, it's not, not just everyone just ups, leaves and heads to Korea, you know, (laughs) or South Korea, I should, uh, specify. Yeah, Yeah. You know, what, what was the, um, the thinking behind that at the time? You, you must have been like very young and... Uh, well, we had gotten married when we were pretty young. We were 20, I was 20, still 23. Aaron had just turned 24. Uh, I had one more year of university to go. Um, yeah, we, we didn't plan on having kids right away. And um, yeah. the, the teaching system too in, uh, in Canada... Was, was bad, right? Yeah, well, like there was a lot of teachers looking for jobs. And so the projection for getting like a permanent position was, you know, five to seven years or something like that. And so I was doing supply at the time, but there was really no hope for getting anything permanent um, in the near future. So um, yeah, we, we had also wanted to, to look into traveling and we had a little bit of debt and we just kind of thought that teaching overseas would be a, a really cool option. So, hey, it was like kind of like a perfect scenario or just kind yeah. of things added up and, we didn't really have any responsibilities or obligations here. And we, I don't think we necessarily intended to go for two years, but our first year was really great. And I mean, frankly, from a marriage perspective, that first year was amazing together. Like we leaned into each other, like we had never done before. Um, I mean, we were fairly newly wed. Um, and, uh, you know, when you don't have anyone else, like <laughs> you really lean into each other and you get, you know, go for coffee dates. Cause I mean, our work schedule is actually pretty light there i mean we'd work three to six hours depending on the day three or six hours per day but it's in the evenings so we had the mornings to go out and have coffee and walk around and go go to the gym and have time together and it was just a really really special time um so yeah that's uh there was some hidden uh uh blessings in it that, that we didn't necessarily anticipate and then you know in our second year we started to think about saving money and projected and we started budgeting like we have a guy in america called dave ramsey he's big on uh you know budget so we started listening to that and said okay well we make make x amount of dollars each month so we're going to save this and put this away and um you know we were able to execute within a few hundred dollars by the end of the year because we just said okay we're going to save this you're going to save that and um yeah it was really uh a lot of people go to those teaching environments too and it's you know, you can party your way through. Oh yeah. Um, and not save a whole lot too. So, well, that's an intention with a lot of people. They just go to have a good time, you know, like basically blow their paycheck on booze and good time. Whereas and not to say that we, no, we were frivolous in some regards. Even traveling, like it just, because we were so close to a lot of other countries. Yeah. We went to Thailand a couple of times. We went to Cambodia, um, Japan, just for a very short time for our visas and stuff. Mm-hmm. But, um, yeah, it was, it, was a, it was a wonderful time. Um, but we were just purposeful in, like, you know, this is how much we want to spend on traveling, and then we're going to... Well, uh, our hope was always that Aaron would stay home, right, with the kids. Uh, we had fully intended on having kids. I'm, I'm not sure if we necessarily thought four, but <laughs> we have four kids. Um, and uh, um, we were able to do that, right? We were able to save, and I actually ended up putting money into gold and silver and stuff. And during that time... Uh, fortuitously, uh, it 
the gold like doubled in price. So that allowed us to have a pretty sizable nest egg for a down payment for a house. Um, and that, that decision 10 years ago, 10 plus years ago or whatever it was, um, has enabled what we are doing today. Right. And so because we were able to get into a house before the housing market really took off in 2011 in Ontario here, um, you know, it's, it's set us up so that Aaron can stay home with the kids. And I know it's not, it's not even an option necessarily with everybody to be able to stay home, um, to have a single income, to have, you know, daddy working and mommy home with the kids. Like that's just not a reality for everybody. Um, and, and we respect that, right. People have to do what they have to do. Um, but I think, uh, it's a, it's a great opportunity that we have to invest into our kids. And, um, yeah, Aaron has really, uh, done an amazing job. So Aaron, if we, if we bring it over to, um, the homeschooling, then, um, you, you are a qualified teacher. We're in the schooling system. Um, how did it, uh, all transpire then to, um, to, to, to leaving that and uh, deciding to homeschool? So we were in Korea teaching for a couple of years and then came back and I, I taught, um, at a private school for a little bit and, um, yeah, then we uh we had our oldest and we discovered we were pregnant <laughs> yeah so um yeah so i wasn't in the system for long um enough to kind of you know see what see the reality of even just a lot of what teachers are dealing with and um it's you know there's a lot of well-meaning teachers that are passionate about teaching and learning and but it's hard, you know, it's, um, there's a lot of, you know, you're teaching a lot of different, um, abilities, abilities within the classroom and the, the amount of IEPs and behavioral issues. And there's just so much pulling at your time and attention. And, um, it's hard to meet all the, all the needs of all the kids, right. Even if you are going in, um, with, with a heart to meet the needs of kids and, and do a good job, it's, it's just, I think it can, um, yeah, put a lot of strain on you um, to try and do that job well. It's not just the kids either, right? That you get in the pressure from. It's from the um, from above, from like, um, yeah. well, n- not only from your peers and your colleagues, but obviously from the uh, the head of department, and then obviously the head of the school, and then above the head of the school is the governance and the um, you know the the, the, the government, you know, in right at the end of the line. And um, I think it was Sir Ken Ken Robinson said in the interview that I did with him before, it's like the problem is we've got to give the classroom back to the teachers because they're literally like, they're stuck in the middle. And Oh yeah, the kids run the show. I mean, we have a neighbor actually right beside us who is a teacher and she's, you know, told us some horror stories, you know, classes being locked down because... They're evacuating the kids every day, right? Because one kid has a temper tantrum and starts throwing stuff and then, you know, all right, Johnny's freaking out. Like, let's close down the classroom, um, which is no place for education. <laughs> like, I don't know. Like, it's um, you spend the next hour trying to diffuse the situation. Like, like it's brutal. So we we um, our oldest is nine, and uh, you know, I was I was fairly reluctant to um, homeschool in the beginning. Um, 
the, uh, the, the classroom was something that I had, um, as I was saying before, we, uh, it, it was just not an environment. Homeschooling was not something I'd ever pictured doing. And uh, the homeschoolers that I knew before were not, um, they were kind of weird. <laughs> and, um, we're not weird. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, yeah. So I just, I trained to be teaching. I like teaching. I'd, I'd worked with kids for, for, you know, like my teenage years. And, um, so then we had our oldest, um, you know, Blake was actually kind of the one that was feeling stronger about just keeping them home. And, and he's like, you know, you're a qualified teacher. Why would you not just teach him? You know, he, he didn't have as great of a, um, an experience with school he was kind of pushed along and even even with reading there was a lot of anxiety as, as in- oh yeah like I mean I, I during, when I was in grade two there was a flip-flop between I moved my family moved and one school is doing one type of learning like reading for example like phonics uh but my previous school was doing like whole language or what was that what they call it whole language um and so I think I just got lost in the mix and people assume certain things I came into the system and I just got bumped along and I remember yeah, learning gaps. And so, um, I mean, all the, all the way through elementary school, primary school, high school, there's just tons of anxiety, even about just specifically reading. I can read in my head and stuff like that. But I just was so self-conscious about that um, because I knew that there was, uh, you know, it's kind of self-fulfilling, right? The more you feel anxious about something, the more you start to feel like self-conscious, the more you self-conscious, the more you can't think and blah, blah, blah. And so, um, yeah, I was, I was not really, I knew that my wife could do an amazing job, uh, based upon who she is, her, you know, her character, her knowledge base, her love for our children. And we also like, we're, we're Christians. And so we, you know, had, had the desire to pass on, you know, values and teach our, our children well, a biblical knowledge. And, um, that's not something that the, the public system is doing here, um, at all. And, uh, yeah, so he kind of, you know, encouraged me initially to, to, you know, try it out. And, and the more I got into that world, the more I realized that, like, homeschooling has really changed from just being, um, you know, just more of flannel. Like a, and <laughs> well, I think it, originally it was more of like a, you know, a religious kind of motivation, right? And now, like, the people that I'm meeting, like, it's just, there's so many reasons that people are doing it, um, whether it's frustration with the, with the system and pulling their kids out because their needs aren't getting met or it's, you know, people that, you know, I have some friends that are like, love them, but they're like the forest schoolers and they are, you know, like they'll haul home a carcass and just watch it disintegrate. And that's kind of like, you know, their school, you know, and it's like, it's not really my flavor, but, um, there's a whole lot of different kinds of homeschoolers out there nowadays. So, um, yeah, um, it's, it's a, it's a big wide world now and lots of, lots of people that, um, yeah, that you can learn from and, and that I respect even just, um, there's one, one person, I don't know if you've known the name Sarah McKenzie, but, um, I really appreciate her and her, um, she's got a massive following in the States. But um, her big thing is just like reading with your kids and how that is just so important um, and how you can form connections with your kids. And, and yeah, like, I mean, I'm of the persuasion that we are in like, like at one time there was the industrial revolution, right? And I think that we are entering into the technology revolution. 
and the real, the, the underpinnings, the pipe work of the internet. I think that the internet is going to start showing its real value now. And it's not just for sending cat memes and, and stuff like that, but it's like <laughs> the exact scenario that we are in right now, quarantine, you know, for, for, for better or worse, we're in it. You know, we're, we want to, you know, uh, respect the government and they are saying, you know, to the best of your ability, do social distancing. So we're doing that. But like I, the work that I'm in, we, um, it's, uh, we build websites for automotive dealerships and uh, search engine marketing. And this is a time where car dealerships uh, across Canada uh, are leaning into their website as an essential service. It's becoming very paramount that we are dependent on, on the internet and the connectivity and the communications tool. Like uh, I think Jan talked about it on a previous uh, podcast of yours, and, and this was really enlightening for me just how like why the internet was built and it was a communications tool in light of like nuclear Holocaust, you know, and like the protocols upon protocol that it was built. And I, I really think this is the net, you know, not to just bring it back to Bitcoin all the time, but, um, <laughs> but, but money, money really is at the core of all culture. Right. And I've talked about this with friends and um, I, I they, they think that I love money. And I'm just like, no, no, no. I don't love money. It's, it's a tool, right? And when the, the tool is faulty, you can't continue to build, right? And so, um, but usually people look at me cross-eyed and they just, yeah. <laughs> you guys, you guys have got it in, yeah, both barrels, right? They, yeah, we're homeschoolers. What? You get the weird looks for homeschooling. Yeah, we love Bitcoin. What? <laughs> you get the weird looks. Yeah, I know that. That's uh, uh, <laughs> that well. You know, you know what actually helped early days with Erin with homeschooling is that she could always lean heavily on the fact that uh, she's a teacher. You know, and then as soon as people heard that, they go, oh, "Okay, that's a pass. You're you're okay. You're qualified." You know, and so then that would be uh, that would be um, a helpful scapegoat <laughs> for that. But to be honest, I, I don't feel like the teaching, my teaching degree necessarily, like, I don't quite know how to say this, but like, I feel like it sometimes works against me in that there's, you know, these hanging expectations sometimes of like, it should look like that, or it should be done this way, you know, and it's taken some time to kind of like deprogram some of that. Mm -hmm. And um, some friends who just don't really have that are kind of more free in it. and. Um, so yeah, it's not necessarily always helpful, you know, it's, you, you bring up, um, de-schooling right there is when, when you make that shift from, and I've spoken to hundreds of families about this, you know, they've, they've taken their kids out, whether they're age nine or 15 and everybody needs to de-school for about the first, almost sometimes the first year. And that's parents as well because we're all a product of the system, right? And, and the system still is the same, pretty much, by and large, now as it was when we went to school, and perhaps even when our parents went to school to a certain extent. Um, so when, when you do start to homeschool for that first, we, we made the classic mistake, we try and take the classroom. The classroom, yeah, yeah. Oh, like that's, And we've that's, had friends that do that too, right? And then they're burnt out. Mm. Like they're just like, I can't do this. I mean, recesses as at recesses at nine fifteen or whatever it is, at ten thirty, and and then we got to do lunch at twelve o'clock, and it's just like it's not what it's supposed to be, right? Like it's like for me, I'm concerned about teaching my kids morals and 
uh, having, you know, having a moral compass. Yes. You know, loving your neighbor as yourself, but then also like teaching them logic and, and how to think critically and to learn and to, and Aaron's big thing, um, is the idea of giving them, um, a love for reading, you know, so they can be self educators as well. And not just reliant upon like the system was built for the working blue collar person, right? Basic arithmetic. And we basically creating people to be factory workers, like the industrial revolution, you know, like my parents still, I mean, they were both factory workers um, and they provided well for us and, you know, thankful for that. But they questioned me all the time because I work from home <laughs> and they, they cannot get through their mind. The fact that I work from home, they're just like, Always chirping me, job you know, <laughs> always chirping me, being like, you know, how's work? You know, everything okay? Like, what are you doing? <laughs> like, you know, they think nine to five, right? Whereas with me, I'm in, you know, sales and marketing. If uh, a dealer, for example, calls me, I pick, I text, I answer their text message. You know, um, you know, I obviously respect my family and stuff like that, but it's it's uh, just different, right? There's, there's freedom too, right? With with this kind of way of attacking school, um, there's a freedom that, that I'm still learning, I think. And, um, you know, there's ways that you can, you know, if it's not working, like change it up, try something new, right? Like we, we had, um, this year we, we felt like, you know, we, we believe that the home is, we have the primary responsibility for the education of our kids. Um, but, providing different learning opportunities for them is, is good. And it, it can look different from year to year. And so we took this year and we threw our oldest in, in the system, in the public school system. We have a small country school near us. And, um, you know, I had come off a, a, a difficult pregnancy and just was kind of dealing with some health issues. And I just, you know, just it was a lot. honest, it was yeah. a lot, you know, yeah. four kids, like the fourth just kind of sent me over the edge. And I just, I needed some time to just, our, our, our oldest is very high energy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And the dynamics of our family were, were such that it was just hard to run. And so, you know, we said, you know what, like, let's just take this opportunity to learn a little bit about, you know, the, the system, like let's learn, you know, how to, to deal with the clock, you know, and have to, you know, catch the bus on time and go into the system and, and be, um, and be teased and, yeah, and, and, just, and, and, yeah. And there's been some, some social interactions too, that I think a lot of people would feel would be fairly negative. Um, and, and I think if, if my kids were in that all the time, I would say that that's very negative, but I've appreciated those scenarios that he's had to, to deal with where, you know, it's just like, okay, you know, you're, you're in a group and there's a, there's a kid that's taking over and not listening to your point of view. And I'm kind of like, great, you know, like, what do you do? You know, like, do you advocate? Do you, you know, like, do you go with it? You know, how, how are you going to navigate that? Right. Like those, those things are, are good to learn and I don't want him to do it forever, but, um, I've appreciated the chance to kind of work through some of that and to see even, um, yeah, just some of the, the social stuff that's going on in the classroom. And he's in a, in a pretty needy class too. And, um, you know, the kids that are, you know, violent and, and just having a chance to witness some of that too. And, um, yeah, now that we're all quarantined, he's home again and we're homeschooling and he's, and we, and we've decided to, you know, pick up that torch again for next year. Um, I mean, he, he didn't, you know, he, he's a little bit ahead and we've, you know, 
the opportunity with homeschooling to to have your kids work at their pace. He's he's always worked ahead, um, and so you know we felt you know, I felt freedom, the, the, the teacher, the teacher voice in me, you know, with the expectations and stuff, I was like, okay, you know, like we can take this chance because he's ahead, you know, like, let's just take this time to, to kind of just prioritize some of the social learning this year and, um, have him run at recess and join sports and, and play soccer. And yeah, yeah. but, um, oh, oh, he's on the track team too, right? He, he did cross country. That was fun. Yeah. Yeah. No, he's, he didn't read, you know, like the, the education that he's, getting at school is just like, we're going back three years in, in math. Um, you know, he's reading where's Waldo books at school, right? Like, it's just like, there's no direction. Like there's no goal. So yeah, he's, he's, you know, his appetite for screen time has just skyrocketed, you know? And so now that he's home again, like, it's just, it's, it's sweet to see him just well, enjoying, de- enjoying he's, books. He's again. devouring audiobooks every night. I, I kind of, you know, scold him uh, in the evenings because he's staying up way too late um, and he's listening to audiobooks, but quality audiobooks. Like it's... Um, this is a plug for Sarah McKenzie again. She's got awesome <laughs> recommendations for audiobooks for all interests and levels. And um, so that's, I'm just continually giving stuff to him, you know, quality. But like, I, I, I want to introduce him to like some big, you know, like obviously, you know, the Bible in our family is foundational, but like some really cool um, thought provoking books, you know, where we can talk like 1984, you know, animal farm, like things that are uh, uh, Lord of the flies, you know, like things where he's nine years old, he's a sharp cookie. Um, he, and, but he's, we're able to talk, uh, you know, these are little people, you know, um, and to work things out and understand, you know, well, there's, there's two things I want to, there's two things I want to, uh, draw, draw on there. And, uh, the first one is, um, arming yourself with the, um, with, with optionality, right? The, the, the power of choice. What most people, what we're conditioned to think is like kid, kid reaches three, that's kindergarten, kid reaches six, five, whatever different countries that's, um, primary school. And then it's grades all the way through to 11 and that's it. And it's best if they're in one school because you don't want to take them out and move them around because they're going to get settled. That's actually like the, the the choices are almost endless with what you can do with education, whether it's mm-hmm. um, a completely different school, a completely different method, whether it's now, like you were saying about technology, um, education is going to go online very, very quickly. And then the homeschooling and the different strands of homeschooling, the different ways you do it, whether you unschool or whether you hack school or whether you do the forest school or whether you do the world schooling, that it's just endless. And um, ha- having that, that knowledge is just freeing enough for most people to start, you know, getting down to the, uh, the first level of the rabbit hole of exploring a different education option. And, um, the second thing, like you, you're describing your kid there. I'm thinking I'm picturing, you've even told me he's nine, like three times I'm picturing 14 or 15. And this is mm. so, so common amongst the homeschooling, um, kids that I've met every time I meet a kid, I'm thinking to myself, every time they, they tell me their age, I, I've, I've guessed it wrong by about three years. They'll tell me. Well, it's fu- it, it was funny on your little video thing on Twitter this morning with your daughter, you were talking about your kids um, educating you in something. And I thought immediately to my boy, um, 
uh, he does this thing called Veritas, right? Veritas. And um, it's like Through Veritas Press. Yeah. They, they have it's all history. Kinds of online courses. It's history, right? Um, and so, but he's like telling me, <laughs> he's telling me things about like ancient Egypt. And he's just like kind of rattling things off about Rome. And he, and um, he's talking, talk, you know, about Mark Anthony and uh, uh, Caesar Augustus and, and all this stuff. And it's just like, wow. Like, I mean, I, I, sure. Go. Yeah. Sounds good. Eli. <laughs> you know, like, um, but there's just a, like right now we're going to be entering it. Like he's in the dark ages right now and he's going to be going into like, uh, what's the next um, curriculum for Veritas? Like world okay. leaders or something yeah. or something like that. And so, um, but just really framing his mind to think that it's not just about him. This He's a part of a, a big, a big picture here. And, and you know, I, I do hold a history degree as well, but it's just like, I'm coming back and looking at some of these, these courses that he's doing. And I'm like, this is, this is the education that I wish I had, you know, like, and, and I'm Googling to keep up with him now. Like, and he's nine. You know, like <laughs> he's like you know rattling. It's like, oh, I, I, I think so. You know, like, hold on. <laughs> but yeah, like the the stuff that's available. Well, like I even want to get him into stuff like code, like Code Academy, like learning. <laughs> like he has he has a he has a, a I think a very technical mind, and I could see him going into computer science or some kind of coding engineer or something like that. And I'm not forcing it, but like I'm introducing it to him, right? Hey, what do you think about this? You know, and um, it's just the world is your oyster with the internet. It's, it's so the crossover I see with with Bitcoin, and I've said it on a few other podcasts. You know, I see Bitcoin as separating money from state, and I see homeschooling or online education as separating education from state. How would you feel? Does that resonate? Yeah, I mean, I don't look. I don't want to look to the government um, for uh, value, for what they say uh, a, a currency is worth. Um, I mean, I live in the system, but I fundamentally don't. Um, we we need a different standard, right? Like, uh, and that's what's so appealing to me from a monetary point of view. You know, that's why gold and silver, um, and now Bitcoin uh, appeal to me. Um, because I know it's something that's not controlled by the people with the most power, you know? Um, and then, yeah, from education point of view, like, I don't want to look to Caesar to educate our kids. Um, you know, it's, um, I think there's some really famous quotes about some really bad people. Uh, Hitler comes to my mind, you know, like, um, you know, give, give me the youth and I'll take the nation you know, because it's a generational change. And if you, if you indoctrinate kids to believe to be dependent upon the government for a handout, I mean, time after time, communism has failed everywhere it happens. And, you know, the battle in America right now is just, uh, you know, there seems to be a big push for uh, socialism and just, um, yeah, a, a dependency upon someone else. You take care of me. You take care of me. You take care of my kid. Um, I think it's it's interesting too with with all this quarantining stuff happening now, and everybody's kind of stuck at home with their kids. And you know, we have you know friends who um, you know she's a teacher, and yet her, now her kids are a little bit older. And, and I don't I don't want to. Um, I know this is a really hard time for people. It's change, and and but 
it's really making me realize how how dependent people are on the school system. Like this, this you know, friend is a teacher, and yet, you know, she's losing her mind. Like at the at the, at the realization that these kids are home, she's like, what do I what do I do with them? You know, like <laughs> in many respects, people don't know their kids, and the kids don't know the parents. You know, but just even talking to them and like spending time with them, and it's just like it's just really making me realize like how little some of that is going on in um, some homes. Right. That, that, yeah. You totally right. I don't, I don't, I don't Every- want to negate, like, you know, the pressures or the, you know, the work that some people have to do. Like I, I know there's circumstances that, that make that hard, but um, I'm just, I'm really thankful for the opportunity, even just to sit down and read books together. And that like, there's that, that connection where we can, you know, talk about, I think of one in particular, um, oh, I can't even remember the name of it anymore, but it's just, it's set in world war two and it's a little girl and she's disabled. And, um, yeah, like I just, I, I really think of teaching the kids apathy and yeah. And just history or empathy, not apathy through living. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. Not apathy. <laughs> <laughs> but um you know just having having the kids you know after the story you know just break down in tears and just like those connections that like you know we can i love the opportunity to, to read living books together and to mm. you know have that stand out as memorable and well you were talking about even like this like the cognitive connections that a good book makes mm. right can you speak to that yeah and how like it almost like you can envision as if you were there by a description, you know? Well, the brain pathways that happen when you read books, like it's, it's giving your kids, um, it's as if they've gone to those places um, when you, when you read about them and not to say you shouldn't go to those places um, <laughs> for all you world schoolers, but. Uh, I definitely want to go to those places. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It's, um, it's that simple, right? It's um, that, but you're so right. We, we are so dependent on the system, and is like you say, we, we find ourselves. I was talking to Marty Bent about this actually on on the podcast I did with him, uh, the disintegration of the family, and his thoughts around, you know, now we've been driven to to both parents have to go to work just to keep up to pay the rent or to pay the mortgage, and then um, you know, you're never around the kids, and the kids, like you, go ahead, please. Sorry. I, Aaron, Aaron tapped me because I really want to jump in. And, and just like that to me, again, speaks to money, right? Like that goes back to the foundation of culture, civilization, of, uh, of an agreed upon standard. But now because of inflation, you know, our house um, is, is worth a lot of money now, fiat dollars, right? But you have these young people who are not having kids, who are having dogs instead, um, and, and they don't value the family because they say, well, how do I get ahead? I can't afford a house. I can't, um, I can't enter into the system. And then, I mean, I, I really a hundred percent believe, uh, that as well, that the, a part of the problems that we're seeing, even with the public school system is the the breakdown of the family, you know, kids have no sense of authority. Like I, I don't, no one, no one loves me. I, my parents just leave. I mean, that's a part of my experience. Like my, my parents, you know, uh, I love them, but like they were very concerned about paying off the mortgage, you know, making lots of money, getting in because that's what they valued. And, um, now, you know, they have a paid off house 
but their grandkids don't really see them that much because their kids don't see them that much because I don't feel like I really know my parents so well. Right. Like, um, I'll, again, I, I love them. They, they, they did what they thought was best, but I think, um, truth and time go hand in hand. And, and when you don't, inv- you know, you invest in the things that you value and, um, at that point in their life, they valued money and they invested there. Um, and they're reaping, uh, the consequences. Whereas now we have Bitcoin and, yeah. um, that's something that, you know, the reason I started the podcast was to speak to people like yourself and, um, help other people realize, uh, what it could do. And, um, if you can just switch your, your, instead of the high time preference, you know, I need the flat screen TV. I've got to get the new car. I've got to do this. I've got to upgrade the kitchen thinking mm-hmm. like two or three generations down the line. And you have this technology known as Bitcoin uh, that, you know, <laughs> few of us see it clearly as, um, uh, as the rest of the world, I think. That, um, mm-hmm. But that's exactly, I think, the point that you're trying to make when you invest for the future. 100%. I mean, the temptation is there to, to want to get the latest and greatest um, tech I mean, I'm a, I'm a nerd when it comes to tech, I like, <laughs> you know, and that's, and it serves as a tool, but when you are prioritizing those things, uh, for the short term gain, um, it's just not worth it. You know, like I, I, I foresee, um, like with my kids, for example, like I'm educating, uh, them and teaching them, like we have this app called shake pay in Canada. I think, I don't know if it's around the world or not, but um, it's an app where it's just an exchange, like, right. And so, uh, they've kind of gamified it. So like every day the, you can shake the phone and it gives you a 10,000 Satoshis. And so it's like, a, yeah, it's amazing. Right. I did the calculation, Daniel. I get, I had, I got more Satoshis through this shake thing once a day than BlockFi, <laughs> which is insane. <laughs> Um, and so, and so, I mean, I didn't have much Bitcoin block, but you, you get the idea, right? This, and so every day now, my kids, I'm talking about Satoshis. I'm saying, kids, I'm starting to think in terms of Satoshis and Bitcoin and it's paradigm shifting for them because they're growing up with a daddy who's talking about like a new economy that's coming. And I'm talking about 10,000 Satoshis and, um, and it's fun for the kids because we shake the phone and, you know, even my two-year-old, daddy, shake, shake, <laughs> you know, like he wants to do it. And then we celebrate and go, yay, we got Satoshis, you know. Um, but um, I'm starting, like I started to pay our boy allowance in Satoshis. Like I set him up with Blue Wallet and I said, okay, he, he has a little phone for audio, po- like podcasts, audio books. And I downloaded Blue Wallet <laughs> and I just started paying him for his chores that he was doing in Satoshis. You know, and he's like, and just normal for him. Um, so it's it's uh, been a, a fun little journey. That's so amazing. Um, I, I do kind of the same thing. I don't have the apps yet. I, I will get around to doing that for them. But um, when you, like, if you now project that out 10 years time, 15 years time for your mm-hmm. oldest, when they're probably like entering the workplace, there's a possibility they they won't need to work and they will, absolutely be able to pick and choose and work on any kind of project, whatever sets them alight, mm-hmm. where, where they can make a difference, where they can add value, whatever is their passion and whatever is driving them. And I think that's very, very exciting. 
Well, I, I mean, uh, even uh, again, coming back to the fact that we're Christians and thinking like a, a motivation when I was starting to just do research about Bitcoin is like the sense, censorship resistance of it. Like there's no government. I mean, I mean, Christians are the most persecuted faith group people in the world. And, you know, we had friends who were missionaries going over to Jordan and um, he had come back to Canada. He was talking to us about what's going on there. And as he's going back, he's getting frisked. He's he's being asked, what's going on? What are you doing? What do you, why are you here? And obviously they're not necessarily, you know, pro Christianity there. Um, And uh, immediately he said, I I went to my bank account and emptied all the cash. And I said, man, we have to talk about Bitcoin because this is something that no one can take away from you. This is um, a system that's coming and that we're very early and it doesn't require you to be dependent on a government system who allow you or don't allow you to buy in commerce and so on and so forth with their, you know, sovereign currency. So, yeah, that's, uh, there's so, I mean, so many people will talk about there's, there's motivations for, for people every which way to get into Bitcoin. I think we can talk for hours and hours about all the different touch points in life that it, uh, yeah, hundred percent. And, um, Aaron, if I could, uh, just bring it back uh, again, once more to, uh, the homeschooling side of things, um, well, when you when you guys first came in uh, to to start trying homeschooling, you were probably looking frantically around for other people like yourself and try and build a network and a community. I think it's a lot easier these days. Um, certainly in North America, seems to be like uh, definitely like the the main driving force behind um, this kind of alternative education style. Um, what would you say to people that were looking at this? How what you know what are the resources out there that they could look into you know community groups and things like that is there anything that um that springs to mind? Well, initially when I got into it, um, you know I had a few friends that were kind of in the same stage of life, kind of thinking, you know, looking at the options, and we kind of just all sort of fell into it together. Um, and it um it was kind of through through church, like there's there's a lot of a lot of homeschoolers um, in our area that are connected to to church and um, yeah, so initially that was kind of who I was sort of going back and forth with and, and in the early years, like I, I feel blessed in that like I haven't been thrown into this all of a sudden, right? Because um, that's harder <laughs> to do um, when you're trying to connect kids. Um, yeah, so I, I've done it. Um, all along. Um, but you know, I've, I've been able to, um, there's tons of Facebook groups. Yeah. A lot of homeschoolers. So yeah, I would say that the internet, um, has been really, really helpful, um, to, to connect and to, yeah, just meet, meet other people, um, people that have been really, um, helpful in, in my growth. Like, um, lots of books too, that these veteran homeschoolers are, are putting out now too. There's, you know, Sally Clarkson and Julie Bogart and Sarah McKenzie. Um, these are all people that I have been blessed by. And reality is that it's a very, it's a, it's a, it's a, this is not the norm throughout human history, right? Like to give your kids over and let them be educated by the government. This has been 
what Precisely. we're experiencing right now <laughs> is what world schools like a schools like a 150 year old project right like you know yeah. on a timeline of how many tens and hundreds of thousands of years it's uh well just in the past it's just been like you typically uh you just do what your dad did or whatever right like mm -hmm. if he's a blacksmith uh you become the blacksmith you know and then you know that's why you have generations of like cultures that are amazing at certain things like making amazing shoes or making amazing you know like um uh violins or typewriters or right because that's what i don't know my great great grandfather did and now i'm really good at it because it's been all passed down to me no it's uh I, what what i what i hope comes out of this uh quarantine period is that uh the people now can can really arm themselves with uh an you know an educated choice around what they can do um education wise for their kids and that homeschooling is a thing and it might suit their family and uh, you know, if anybody's listening that have got kids, you know, keep a close eye, uh, you know, look at their mental health, look at um, what's going on closely, because if they seem happier, that probably means something's going on at school that's probably, you know, worth taking a deeper look at. And um, mm -hmm. the, the online educational tools now are so far advanced, like Khan Academy, for example, you can learn, you could learn anything off Khan Academy. And it's free. <laughs> to your point earlier, Blake, about the, the age of technology, uh, you know, this this decade, man, like it's going to be crazy. You know, the internet's going to come into its own. It's going to change everything. It's already changing money. It's going to change education. It's going to change the way we communicate. And there's tons of programs even now, like during this quarantine period. But companies are are giving away stuff for free during this quarantine period. And, and a lot of people, like I, I know that there's there's people that are thrown into this now that are, you know, freaking out China to just like, print off worksheets like crazy for their kids and just feeling this pressure. Right. And, um, there's, there's a lot of, of wisdom, um, to just chill out in this period and enjoy each other and just read and, um, you know, don't feel like you have to replicate what school's doing during this period, you know, just enjoy each other, cook, play. Go for walks, get some fresh air, talk, <laughs> talk, get to know your kids. Yeah, that's that's exactly. that's been a, a you know just I don't know I've been encouraged by a friend recently just just get to know that this is a little person and just love them for who they are. Seems so basic, but we've forgotten it. It's like you know it it does we you know we we want the best for them, so they got to be the top of the class and all this and all. But at the end of the day, just spend time with them, like you say, read, go for um you know walks bake cook well and the thing is is that we're like we have to teach our kids right like they're just mm -hmm. kids you know i sometimes am, am more towards the bent of like they should know hey uh you know you didn't do what i asked you to do whereas i also didn't set them up for success by teaching them right um to my to you know to my shame um so it's uh it's definitely um a really amazing opportunity that we've been given as parents. And what's cool for everybody out there that's listening, that's been forced into quarantine to homeschool, you get to do it without judgment because for us, like, you know, I mean, my goodness, you face that down in the very early days, right? When, when you take your kids out of school to, to take that homeschool option. Yeah. And, and like I said before, with, with the, you know, this, this teacher kind of expectation hanging over me at times that I struggle to kind of put that voice away, you know, and just 
just let the kids learn at their own pace and just be free of like, oh, they should be here. They should be there. Like they're not, you know, oh, they're not writing at this expectation, you know? Um, but when this whole quarantine happens um, and everybody's kind of thrown in this together, like I recognize this is a very horrible time for a lot of people and I don't want to negate that. This is, there are a lot of people sick and, um, but I feel so much stress relief that like, (laughs) I don't like, I'm completely set up in terms of materials and know how to do this, but I don't have to do anything, you know, (laughs) like in terms of filling in gaps or like nobody's doing anything. Um, so Mm -hmm. there's no pressure, you know, like it's just, if learning happens, great. And it will happen here. I mean, this is is an amazing, (laughs) this is a once in a century learning opportunity with this. uh, But we can just enjoy some low key learning, you know, and and it's, it's what you take from it, right? We have to, we, it's an opportunity to talk with our kids about what is going on. You know, not, not just the, 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 what a virus is, you know, and talk about, you know, how this is affecting people's jobs and how this is, and then we start to talk about money and then we start to talk about, you know. It's like, so funny you take it to the like economic part because like I'm kind of like, oh, okay, like when did this happen in history? Like, let's look at the Spanish. Yeah. Like, let's learn about, let's go to documentaries, you know. Like, the, like, <laughs> yeah, the black, the, the black plague and stuff yeah. like this. And it's, it's, there's never a shortage of learning opportunities. I mean, I should give you that slant, right? You're, you're bent as a, as an individual. Yeah. Well, I, I think about macroeconomics a lot. Yeah. Yeah. It's the same in our house. Believe me, <laughs> my, my <laughs> wife had the timeline of all the plagues and stuff out and I'm just looking yeah. at the future. I'm like, do you realize what this means? You, <laughs> this changes work forever. This changes school forever. I'm like, well, I actually, uh, in, in, in relation to like, um, uh, plan B's kind of like stock to flow model. Like, and I'm obviously taking that with a grain of salt. It's basically the projection of, of where that's where Bitcoin is going. Just kind of informing Erin if she didn't know. And um, this is a perfect storm in my mind because at this exact time when the money printers are going um, and they're going crazy and they're printing money, people are going to start to question and say, what is this all about? Like they, they start to understand inflation and all of a sudden they start researching money and they start researching and then Bitcoin is going to come up and then they're going to start to say like, what is this? And why is this dis- disinflationary? And let's, let's learn about that. And like, to me, this is the perfect storm to just have this just go bananas uh, in terms of people recognizing the value of what Bitcoin is. Um, because people up to this point, especially in North America here, it's been luxurious living, you know, the banks print money and I have a good life. Um, it's all good, you know, but now it's starting to question when the federal reserve is, you know, spinning up $5 trillion, where'd that come from? Oh, we just added a zero or three zeros or (laughs) whatever. Right. Like it's, um, that's not how economics works. No, exactly. And yeah, let's hope uh, everybody uses this time to, um, to keep educating themselves uh, around that. So, all right, last question. Um, if there was one person that uh, you would love to come out and start talking about Bitcoin and sharing the, uh, the message with their audience, an audience far wider than you could ever imagine, who would that person be and why? Hmm. Um, 
I would say the first person that popped into my mind was Kanye West. Uh, just because there is a, I, I can guess, see I, the look I'm, on Erin's face. <laughs> what? <laughs> well, no, because I, 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 I think it's a generational thing. He again, I, like, um, I've been listening to his music a little more lately. He's uh, said he's you know turned to, to to Jesus and he's a Christian now. So I kind of let, let me listen to his latest album, and it you know sounds good. But he also speaks to a culture, a young culture, uh, and he's a voice of the culture. And I think a lot of people would listen to that. Uh, he seems like a very reasonable person. Like he seems logical. I've listened to him speak. Um, I've been pretty impressed with the things that he's had to say. And I think exposing a young generation, because I don't think that I'm going to teach my 65 year old parents the value of Bitcoin. I talked to, I try to bring it up and my dad was just like, gold, that's what you need. And I was just like, well, that's not, that's not bad. I, you know, he wasn't totally opposed to it, but um, I think that they're, he has a voice that is that is is quite quite large. Aaron, anyone you uh, want to throw in the mix? I I really don't have much to say on that topic. <laughs> <laughs> oh, okay, about homeschooling. If one person could come out and um, share a message about homeschooling and and help people understand the the power of the power of just choice and realizing that it's not just the system that they do have another option and could read a far reach a far wide audience who who do you think would spring well, to mind i mean the the people that that i really appreciate already have podcasts of their own <laughs> but i i love sarah mckenzie i'm i'm really indebted to her for a lot of my philosophy um on teaching and um yeah her encouragement to just just teach from rest that's the title of the book <laughs> perfect well guys thanks so much for your time it's been uh been really really great conversation very uh very appreciative for for having us no it's um you know thanks for reaching out on uh on the dms and um enjoying the show and supporting the show um it's great to hear you know real life stories from people that um you know are living this stuff and um have a lot to uh to say about uh both these subjects so really appreciate your Mm. time thank you Thanks so much. Have a great day.